HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by PASA Sustainable Agriculture. Register to attend PASA's 31st annual conference by January 28th at pasafarming.org conference. You're listening to Season 2 of Fields, the podcast, with Melissa Metric, Wythe Marshall, and Allie Whist. On Fields, we're bringing you the stories of people who are working in the world of urban agriculture. For money, for fun, for art, for justice, to feed the hungry, to green the city, or to uncover its history. In each episode of Fields, we'll delve into one kind of food that's grown in cities, one technology used to grow food, or one project that teaches us something about our relationship to farming in urban environments. Moreover, we'll investigate all the whys behind getting up in the morning and working as a farmer today. You don't need to be a farmer to enjoy this podcast, or even a foodie. We're going to tell fascinating stories and break down the realities and possible futures of urban farming to their elements, examining each in turn. Hey, you're listening to Fields, the unfinished story of urban agriculture. Uh, as always, I'm Wife Marshall, and I'm here with Melissa Metric. Hi, guys. And Allie Wist. Hello. And we are joined today by the amazing Evan Marks of the Ecology Center. So, um, Evan, why don't we just dive in? Uh, thanks so much for joining. Yeah, could you give us a quick intro, um, maybe about yourself, your work as a grower, uh, maybe tell us, you know, where you are in the world and, and sort of what's your what's your growing job today? Yeah, uh, I am located in uh, the Ahachaman land of Orange County, uh, Southern California. So we're between uh, Los Angeles and San Diego. It's um, a traditional valley, uh, just about a mile and a half from the ocean is where our 28-acre farm operation is. Uh, you know, we, you know, similar to you guys, you know, I'm passionate and on a similar path of how do we transform the world through food um, in in settlement um, that are more dense. You know, we're in a suburban environment here, so it's, it's not New York City. Um, you know, we have a more kind of, you know, community driven around cul-de-sacs and and that side of community uh, design, but nonetheless, it's uh, we lost we lost relationship to our farm here um, in in this general community, and and we're trying to reboot that and and create the next generation of farm and and transformation there. That's cool. So um, you you run a place called the Ecology Center, is that right? Yeah, yes, I run an organization called the Ecology Center. I'm the founder uh, as well. Uh, been kind of t- took a empty 140 year old farmhouse and a dirt lot 
um, about 13 years ago and, and have transformed it into a model for, for humanity. Um, yeah, there's a lot of different activities here. We really kind of frame ourselves up as, as a laboratory for the future. And so it's, it's, it's more than just a farm. A farm, like all healthy communities, is the center and the heart. But it's not. There are many other elements, including the arts, um, you know, including kind of the culinary and celebratory elements, including kind of children and education. And, and so all those elements, we like to say, grow, eat, make, weave together to create the whole and healthy um, the reality that's the present and the future. Well, there's a lot we want to ask about all of that. Um, <laughs> to get us started, could you could you walk us through like how did you create this? Like how did you get into this? What sort of led you down the path of saying you know not just farming but this specific vision? Um, yeah, I, you know I grew up as a surfer and and didn't have any relationship to the land, uh, the, the the physical soil, if you will. I didn't come from a farming family though. My grandfather had a kitchen garden and a and a small orchard. Um, you know I farming i'm a first generation farmer um and i got through that way through through awareness to the really the death that agriculture has been 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 kind of leaning in on with the ocean um and really our planet at large including the humans um we've designed our our agriculture such that it's just another version of extraction industry and um and as a teenager believe it or not you know i took that personally you know i kind of had this realization that, well, I might not be able to surf when I'm older if we don't do anything about some of the realities around us, including how we grow our food. Um, and as I started dabbling into growing some food um, as a teenager, you know, it, it brought me a lot of joy and satisfaction. And I just followed that thread. Um, I followed that thread to UC Santa Cruz. I got a degree in agroecology in the, uh, um, you know, 20 years ago. And um, been farming and designing, you know, ecological agriculture and community um, projects since then all over the world. Um, I ended up in Latin America for about seven years designing large scale agroforestry projects and really looking at how do we reclaim the degraded pasture of the tropics, which is meant to be rainforest um, and agroforestry based settlements. Um, and we did that on hundreds and thousands of acres. And, and I learned a lot and kept going uh, project to project. Um, ended up in West Africa doing similar work, um, learning a lot. Um, Nigeria and Ghana, both very, very um, whole and connected to their agri agricultural roots. And so that was that was rewarding. And in that in that journey um, of those years and projects, it was sort of the wake up call for me that, you know, while I always kind of resisted where I came from, that I that that place was in need of the of of the of the thing that I was uh, really seeking to create, which is a, the transformation through food and agriculture. And uh, so, against all odds, I came back to Orange County, you know, twelve, thirteen years ago. And um, you know, I think this, you know, it's like I don't know how I got to this place, but definitely this place picked me. You know, I feel so fortunate that. Um, you know, out of all the places, you know, this one has brought so much purpose to myself and really the hundreds of thousands of people that participated in this program. And, and, um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for, for this land, you know, it's 140 years in, in tradition here of farming. And this is just really the, the, the newest chapter, which is trying to, to, to develop and design a, a methodology for the next 140 years. So that's a little bit of my circle of, of kind of turning on to the negative impacts that humans have on the environment of following that journey, just like you really starting to plant those seeds and wanting those seeds grow and turning into 
big ideas and, and, and hopefully, you know, ecologies of their own and, and, uh, you know, touring or doing really meaningful work around the world that brought me right back home to, to do that same thing. That's great. Um, just a quick question. This might be like a basic question, but how does the Ecology Center connect ecology to food? So I know that's a very broad question, um, but definitely, you know, like on the Ecology Center's website, it kind of talks about that a lot and it's, you know, within the name of it. So uh, yeah, can you kind of explain that a little bit? I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a lot of where my passion lies actually, you know, and with and my mentor, Steve Gleesman, who wrote the book on agroecology, you know, which is, is it's imperative for us to, move into the world with an ecological lens towards food production and i would argue all all purpose and all activity um, but in the in the agricultural context i mean you know i th think of myself as much a designer as a farmer which is that you know it, it's it's doing the work but it's also being conscientious about how we're doing the work and how we're designing for um and, and designing systems that give more than they take right so we're you know, I can paint the picture a little bit of what our farm looks like that may help uh, understand what the ecology is here is that, um, you know, we inherited this this 28 acre property. So it's, you know, in, in our area, that's that's a, you know, there isn't farming around here anymore. So that's, a, you know, medium scale production. Um, you know, it was all rectilinear. It was literally one 28 acre field that was growing one or two varieties of vegetable at any one time for a wholesale market. Um, and it was all oriented away from nature um, in every every sense of, of, of the production. And so, you know, from an ecological standpoint, what we did is we went and, and observed the, the patterning around us and we pivoted the farm so that everything faced the sun. You know, simple things like that. We oriented all of our rows um, south and north, right? So that, that way, because all of our, we have, there's a, there's a central hub within our, uh, our, our farm that's a retail center, a farm stand, and a general community gathering area. And that's the heart that drives you right into the center of the farm. Um, and so that, um, that kind of central axis, which all orients to the sun, then allowed us to create an agroforestry. So it's an alley cropping system where we're growing perennials, um, tree crops, and other perennial uh you know, herbs and flowers, um, and, and, and berries, et cetera. And it's all in, in a, in a pattern that allows that sort of interweave of production and ecology to, 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 to kind of sing, you know, there's no, um, there's no separation in how we think of our design methodologies away from just being production. It's, you know, it, um, so I'm kind of rambling here, but I'm, I get the sense like, it, you know, so our fields are, it's almost like this really beautiful patchwork. Every 60 feet, there's two more rows of trees. So we designed our fields. Instead of one large field, there's 20 small fields. And they're all oriented towards maximum uh, sun and, 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 and wind flow at the right time. Um, and so, you know, the perennialization on these boundaries allows us to really create these. It's a market garden approach at 28 acres where we're growing, you know, 200 varieties of fruits, vegetables, and flowers that go straight to community. Um, and so that ecology and diversity, that ecology in, in layout, um, and balancing the perennials and the annuals, that ecology in our rotation and how we move the fields around and how we integrate our cover crops. And when we integrate the milpa, which is our corn, bean and squash and our cultural crops and how we grow our cash crops, like our berries and where the, the vegetables flow in, 
you know, how we integrate animals and fertility and, and um, those are, I'm, I'm speaking broadly because this is probably don't have a very long time here, but you can get the sense of some of the elements of ecology that integrate into our farm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really fun to, to see it just, you know, the layers of, of, of diversity and, you know, the wildlife and, and, and just sort of the, the feeling that comes with health. Um, if you guys spent time on a specific piece of land for a period of time, you can see the changes, you know, through that stewardship, you can see the evolutions of the seasons, but you can see that season coming over and over again with new realizations and new layers of, 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 um, you know, opportunity would come with the depth of, of digging deep in, in a meaningful way. So, yeah, I don't, you know, I can, I can keep talking a little bit about the ecology, but, um, you know, we don't, it's such an important design, design parameter, so it goes everywhere. Yeah, sorry, Ali. No, it's okay. It was really, um, really gets the imagination going to really picture the, the, farm integration into the land that you're describing and kind of viewing it as this holistic system. And my first thought, knowing that you're in California, is just, um, does this design reduce water usage or could you speak to the irrigation water usage? Um, I know that's, you know, top of mind this year, but it will be going forward, I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, you know, what, what, does it does it reduce water? This kind of our our our, our practices. I would say, for sure. Um, you know, the real water reduction in our in our rotation is 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 when the layers all start to work together at the right times. You know, and when we can get a cover crop in at the right time to add the organic matter at the right time, which allows us to to grow the next rotation of vegetables at the right time. Um, so yeah, I think I think conservation is, is is crucial to how we think about uh, you know growing food and and you know we're early days to understand how how conservate how specifically the conservation's evolving. Um, we just got a regenerative organic certification on the farm, um, and so we track the organic matter in the soil and obviously the, the, our water bill simultaneously. So it will be it will be. Um, you know, an interesting evolution. You know, we do try to grow um, things that use the least amount of water, by and large. Um, but you know, we also grow a lot of food um, in a very meaningful way. We have 750 families on our farm share CSA, and we have a an incredibly viable. You know, hundreds of people come through our front door of our farm stand every day. So we are in the business of growing high quality, diverse, organic ingredients, and so. We also do use a lot of water, so I won't. I won't. Not going to say like we're dry farming or we're, you know, we're we're not doing that. You know, we 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 overhead when we need to and get a cover crop in. We use drip everywhere else, like, but we um, we mulch deeply and but it, there's water being used for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to have to hold those various imperatives simultaneously, and you know, I appreciate your can candor that the word <laughs> i appreciate your candor because i think it's something that we have to understand the complexity and that water is required no matter what and what is what does it look like to both need it and require it and then also integrate ways to reduce it or uh vegetables that can use a little less so thank you yeah you know i think it's about talking about the hierarchy of water you know and then the use um 
I think growing food and providing our basic needs for our community is, is probably the highest and best use of that precious resource, right? So it's, it's not downgrading agriculture to the, oh yeah, you're using water. It's like, wow, hell yeah, you're growing amazing food in community and we don't have to transport ingredients from outside of the community. Wow, that's cool. That's water saving, you know, <laughs> among many other benefits. So um, our, our vision is, is, is one that has farms like this in every community um, and really building a local economy around that. Yeah, and also um, just the idea of growing a lot of like agroforestry and perennial crops in general, those use less water, right? Like once they get established and you're mulching it and that kind of thing, a little bit less than annual crops, right? Oh yeah, and especially our soil, we're in a in a floodplain, so this alluvial clay loam, this really thick, heavy soil. You can imagine they made the adobe out of the for the missions, you know, um, two miles up the road out of the soil. So it's heavy and thick, and it's filled with organic matter. So it's great fertility, and so it's really about building that relationship. But yeah, planting perennials. Um, in this soil is amazing because, you know, after a couple of years and a deep mulch and good compost application, it's like they don't need much. Um, and we've got uh, quite a bit of the farm in perennialization. Um, we've got over a thousand fruit trees and about three acres of cane berries and, you know, uh, quite a few other uh, perennial crops, uh, flowers and vegetables. So, yeah, it's it's a piece of the solution for sure. This episode is brought to you by PASA Sustainable Agriculture. For 30 years, PASA's conference has served as a springboard for transformative food system change. PASA's 2022 conference features more than 30 virtual and 90 in-person sessions on farming and food systems, covering topics that include building community food webs, keeping seeds to preserve cultural traditions, protecting local watersheds, as well as production methods and business skills for food producers of all levels. Keynote speakers include Soulfire Farms' Leah Penniman, author of Farming While Black, Sarah Mock, author of Farm and Other Efforts, and Jessica Gordon Nemhard, author of Collective Courage, A History of African-American Cooperative Economic Thought and Practice. PASA's virtual pre-conference takes place January 4th through 28th. Register anytime to attend live or get recordings. You can also join PASA in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on February 10th through 12th for its in-person main conference. Comprehensive COVID safety measures will be in place. Learn more and register at pasafarming.org slash conference. That's P-A-S-A farming.org slash conference. So another piece of the solution that we notice looking at your site and whatnot is, is this idea of uh, training or apprenticeship. So I was curious, and I know, Melissa, I think you had some questions here, um, but like what kind of training do you offer? How do you sort of go about um, instilling these values and, and working people through? I mean, you've already mentioned such a, uh, a variety of skills. Um, so I'm just sort of curious what kind of programs you have. Why don't you tell us about the training programs? Yeah, so we're, you know, by and large, our work is to model to mentor and to nourish um, the community. And so you're asking, we talked a little bit about the model, this agroecology, talking about the, our mentorship, right? Our, you know, we think of it holistically, so I will talk about our mentorship and focus towards young farmers, but we really think about us mentoring and building culture holistically, you know, in a multi-generational framework with starting with children. You know, children are the heart and we have a farm school here on the farm and, and all of the kids from the local schools come for field trips and festivals and activities like that. Um, 
you know, we have volunteerism that's happening on the farm every single day. We've got a couple hundred volunteers every single week that are digging in deeply and learning new skills and sharing uh, their resources with us to grow our mission and impact. Um, and of course, the question I think you're leaning towards is how are we really mentoring and leaning in on, you know, in our farm apprenticeship program? You know, we have kind of three tracks of real deep dive in training here, which is farming, kind of culinary and education. Uh, farming is by and large the big one. We had eight apprenticeships that just wrapped up their rotation just uh, two weeks ago. Um, so similar to the, the, the kind of the framework that I was taught under at UC Santa Cruz and then I've also apprenticed at another farm called Camp Joy was just it's a it's a in our world that's that's a fairly um, traditional way of learning new skills and so it was important for for us to bring that to a geography that didn't have that by believe it or not you guys may live in areas with a lot of farms and a lot of farm training opportunities but we're we're kind of like you know the diamond in the rough here unfortunately and so we're trying to change that um, but yeah, we have a um, what's going to evolve into a six-month farm training program, and so it's really giving the the young farmer the all of the experience and and the practicum such that they can, you know, replicate what's happening here. And, and we've we've kind of focused some of our energies. You know, we have a, a, I've talked about a a large farm operation or at least a medium scale. Uh, vegetable operation at 28 acres, but what we really focus our apprentices on is on the market garden. Um, you know, in an, in this suburban and and urban environment, sort of like you guys. You know, we're we're also passionate about that small scale one to three acre farm, um, and we have two other farms that we're replicating that are at that scale um, as kind of the the case study, the prototype. The, the can we do dozens of these? Can we? You know, so that's the, by and large we're trying to train up farmers. Um, here at the mothership and then hopefully send them on their way, you know, almost like a farm core, let them incubate them, whether as employees of the organization or in their own business endeavors um, and create a network. And, or, you know, over the next 10 to 20 years, have dozens of small farm opportunities that are connected with all of our farm apprentices that have now living wage jobs that are nourishing the community. And we're all connected through networking and, and distribution and general resource sharing. So, um, that's the big arc. So it does start with training and skills development and just general culture uh, engagement. You know, living and working and breathing a farm is something that's not commonplace in our geography. So that in and of itself is a good starting place for people to understand um, just some of these these really important ideas and ways of thinking and being um, that also lead towards pathways to to life. You know, beyond lifestyle into into career and and meaningful impact. Um, yeah, so on, on that note, who are the future farmers? Like, who are you seeing that are coming to apprentice? Yeah, we had 135 applications, and we were able to pick eight, um, both men and women. Um, we're seeing, you know, people from various walks of life. Our apprenticeship is a paid one, but we'd wanted to do that such that it wasn't just for those with privilege. Um, and so we have uh, apprentices and applications coming from all walks of life. But in general, we're trying to invest in this geography um, rather than train up, you know, someone from Iowa. You know, we're actually looking to invest in the people that are from this bioregion such that they are motivated to go build a farm somewhere in the neighborhood near us and we can support them in that journey. So. There is a ge geographical bias, um, but yeah, we're you know our apprentices last year, the last uh, rotation that just wrapped up, 
yeah, four men and four women. Um, they're mostly, you know, in the, the early trajectories or between, you know, 20 and 30 years old, you know, they're, some are, you know, about to go to college, some are out of college, some that, you know, so it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a spectrum, but in general, the, the spirits are universal and that they're, they're eager to make change in the world and they're eager to put their hands to work to, to make a difference. And, um, and just to learn to grow food was, was really rewarding for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. I mean, yeah. And it's great that there's so many people applying. And I think that says something about the interest in urban agriculture and food and ecology generally, uh, that's happening now. Um, so that's, that's kind of good to hear and, and not knowing as much about like what's going on in, in that particular region. It's, it's really interesting every time we talk to someone in a, in a different region about just sort of the, the vibe and, and how people are getting engaged in, uh, in, in paying more attention to what they eat and to small farms in general. Um, yeah. are you guys getting that similar feedback in, in, in your communities and your programs? Yeah. Just, I mean, the general increased interest, right? I mean, Melissa, maybe you can speak to that since you've been sort of teaching this. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about my students cause I teach undergrad and grad and um, the students who take my class, it's an elective. So it's like sometimes, you know, students yeah. just want to take a gardening class or a farming <laughs> class. But then, um, you know, I, I, I have students from all over. Some of them, again, want to take an elective. Other students are really, really into it. And, you know, they do all the readings and they surprise me when they come to class about like all of the things that um, we kind of discuss in their learning. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely many different levels. Um, and, and, and it's interesting because most students, um, their one experience with mm -hmm. gardening was like gardening with their grandparents, you know, especially in urban areas of like reconnecting with a generation yeah. that was a little bit more connected to that. So, um, yeah, yeah, so, so definitely yeah, all over the place. Students that are eager for hands-on learning as well. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And especially it's interesting, especially after, um, during and well, we're still in COVID, but, um, during quarantine and, you know, after as well, um, a lot of folks kind of getting interested in just more of the tactile work, especially if they're online all the time on zoom classes yeah. or whatever. So, um, yeah, just this, yeah, that this general interest. Zoom. That must've been that's, you know, we, you know, pandemic for us was really practical. We grew the food, we fed the people, you know, uh, I can imagine being in a city with disconnected, but it's been very challenging. Yeah. I mean, definitely there was that resurgence in growing at home. Um, and you saw it on from like house plants all the way to, yeah, people enrolling in, in sort of food studies and being interested in that topic. So, um, you know, it's, it's out there and the pandemic is just one of these big drivers um, I definitely want to ask about another big driver, which is sort of climate and, you know, views on the future. Um, but maybe let's come back to that because you mentioned something interesting, which is this kind of hub and spoke vision for inspiring more farmers in your area to start their own farms. And then you could share resources and learning. Um, and I was just curious if like, have you thought about, I've been reading a lot about the history of like uh, farmer um, cooperatives and like a cooperative model and is interested in, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Just just if you could say a little more about your vision for like uh, maybe specifically your region and, and how um, it could be shaped by a network of small farms. Um, any thoughts you have on like, for example, food hubs, you know, just these topics that I think are, are coming up um, again. They're coming up in our area. I, I don't know if they're sort of hot topics where you are, too. Um, but if you have sort of thoughts on, on how small farmers can, can work together in a suburban or urban context. 
Shoots, I, I'm inspired as well here on the food hub. You know, we we've we have a small informal food hub. Is that we um, our farm stand? We grow about sixty percent of the, the ingredients, and then by design, we work with you know another dozen farmers, uh, artists, and small scale farmers in our region to support them as well. Um, and so we've done that informally, and and um, and it's so rewarding. You know, we're we really. Th- really respect the hard work of the farmer. And so we were trying to figure out one, how do we support those that are existing um, in the field? And then how do we, how do we grow the field and the, and the, and the number of farmers and the, and the, and the kind of bring the youth into that. And so I think the central distribution, the farmer co-op is key and uh, we're, we haven't formalized the co-op, but I'm definitely, I'm interested. And maybe you could, you could speak to me more about that. Um, and what you've been learning, um, we've done, yeah, like I said, fairly informally, but, but in a meaningful way, especially during the pandemic, a lot of our farmer friends aren't in the, in the, in the, in the same place in this landscape that we are, we're in the middle of a town. So we have literally, like I said, hundreds of visitors every day. And a lot of farmers in general are on the outskirts and that's, you know, Peter Shaner, he's out in Valley center and he's, you know, when the pandemic happened, he didn't have access to the chefs or the farmers markets. So we basically bought all the food and, you know, Alex Weiser, he's out in Tachapi, you know, and so all the same thing. And, you know, clearly the markets and the restaurants have come back on and those guys are now back on their feet. But nonetheless, like it was real for the six or eight months there when, when sort of business as usual was, 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 was not usual. And, uh, um, nonetheless, we designed from, for, for resiliency, but thinking ahead of the curve so that somehow we design a new pattern where we can all support each other. Yeah. I mean, that was another question we had, of course, is like, how did operations change, evolve during COVID? You know, what are lasting legacies? I mean, we're still in it, but right during lockdown, when there's shortages, um, you know, we can, you know, we hear stories uh, about different supply chain interruptions and issues with uh, workers and and all that. So just, you know, it's always interesting to hear how people adapt um, and what you learned, what you recommend in a way, uh, what you've learned from that experience. Um, I guess I was specifically wondering about, yeah, like food hubs as a model and like farm cooperatives and then also just worker cooperatives, like worker ownership of farms um, and moving toward the idea of, of, of people growing the food, having that equity, you know, building generational assets and being able to pass that on. Um, and, and, you know, even at a small scale in a suburban environment, how that might be possible. So these are just some, some sort of floating thoughts based on, cool. uh, on some of the things you said. Um, yeah, no, I love that. Yeah, we don't own the land, actually, that we're on. So Got that it. land access is, is um, I don't think, the, the, a massive barrier here. You know, we have, we have relationships with the schools, the cities, and, the, and the, really the, the community developments that all have the, the last bits of land. So we're not... We can we can find the places for the farms. It's really, um, but ownership of that land is, is definitely compromised. Yeah, are there are there a lot of land trusts out there? Because that's been kind of a growing thing on the on the East Coast and like upstate New York and and in Long Island and things like that. Um, do you have a lot of land trusts? Not out there? not in this sort of this this kind of this dense in in you know, urban environment. You know, literally from Santa Barbara to, to the Mexican border is pretty packed with people. So, you know, there's there's some there's parks and um, you know, some conservation areas and such, but I wouldn't, not a lot of land trusts that I know of. 
Yeah, it would need a new model almost of like people with residential land, like coming together to form a land trust to create new urban farms, which uh, that's not the, you know, that's not been, I think, the traditional land trust model. But yeah, it's interesting that these same stories play out a little differently, but across the U.S., you know, you hear about land access issues. Um, yeah. All these things. So I guess, you know, in terms of, um, yeah, looking ahead, you know, one, one question beyond COVID uh, was, um, yeah, how do you think about, you know, climate and the effects of climate? You know, what, what do the next 10 years look like for you and your network? Um, any Anything you're sort of planning on doing, um, recommendations you have for others, you know, ways that, that you've already sort of adapted and, and can pass on some thoughts from that agroecological perspective? Well, I think climate and, and the pandemic kind of go hand in hand, which is that there's there is no certainty. And and that's I, I think that's OK. You know, I think um, it's OK for my nervous system, you know, and, 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 and that we've been kind of consciously designing these resilient environments for a long time. And so it's just us getting back into that knowledge center that that. The, 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 the world around us is shifting and so therefore we need to be a little bit more malleable um, you know and as farmers that's that's a little bit more yeah that there's a reference point to that you know that's that's sort of growing a diversity of ingredients directly for a customer rather than okay I'm gonna gamble it all and grow one crop and hope that everything lines up so I can make some money and hope you know if the markets are well like that that i don't know anything about that i'll be real honest that doesn't feel like a long-term success and so therefore there's a lot of farmers 90 something percent of our farmers are in that category that are in need of invention uh towards relationship back to the natural systems as well as back to the to the local economy and so it's a freaking big learning curve ahead of us all which is um, how are we going to adapt to the changing realities um, and ultimately the needs, you know, the needs of, you know, like the pandemic, like, like I said, a, a version of this is where we all kind of looked around and said, oh, yeah, we need food. And there's no who's growing food in my community because my groceries are empty. And then it was like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, well, let's 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 figure it out. Like, let's grow some food at home. But let's 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 figure out how to get connected to a CSA or a, a local farm that can help me sustain um and so i think it's it's fairly practical and um you know i'm maybe naive enough to think that this model can be replicated at a larger scale um you know and at least we'll, we're gonna we're gonna go you know we'll go down fighting trying you know it's uh that if every community had these uh, these these adjacencies to these these centers of purpose and being, you know, in, in the, in the land and, and growing and nourishing the people, um, I think would be a lot further advantaged than, than just sitting here wondering what's going to happen and what we're going to do. Let's, let's take action. Yeah. It's kind of interesting because, um, especially like during lockdown, um, what we saw was, uh, a lot of food kind of going to waste, especially farmers who are producing this one thing and, you know, the transportation wasn't there or certain things weren't there within our system because of COVID. And so there was this huge amount of waste, right? So there was this kind of like disconnect and just that idea of adaptation and growing multiple crops and all these other things. Um, but I guess also, yeah, connecting to local 
um, communities or trying to figure out if this larger global system starts having a problem because of COVID or because of climate change or because of whatever, whatever you know, crisis, catastrophes happening, uh, you know, how, how, how does one adapt, especially with one of yeah. our most important things, which is food. So, um, yeah, so that's really interesting, just that idea of adaptation with multiple crops, but also just that sense of transportation and how to, you know, actually distribute all of this food because we, we've, we see it today, you know, I was reading the New York times and it was just talking about how we're having, you know, it's, a, it's, a, like it's a hard so, road ahead. You um, know, we've, we've designed this industrial, these industrial systems to separate us from each other in the land for so long. You know, you could take it back a couple thousand years, but but in earnest, a couple hundred, and it's 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 these organizations like the Ecology Center and the farms that you guys are a part of, and and the many individuals that I'm sure you have in your network that are doing the meaningful work to reboot and and to build a new pattern, and and that's the that's the the glimmer of hope is, you know, it is one step at a time. You know, it's not all this wholesale change. Okay, tomorrow's different. We're we're, we're awakened. <laughs> it's uh, we're gonna show up and work hard and and meet a new customer and 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 nourish a new family and keep going. Yeah. Well, so to that um, question of, I mean, I think I think everything you said is 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 great, and I'm just curious. You know, are there other groups you see? Are there other farms, farm hubs, these centers, as you said, of purpose? Um, elsewhere in the country, you know, is there something a little bit north of you, a little bit south? I mean, are there people you work with? Are there activists, farmers, scientists, um, even like big, you know, distributors who kind of get it and are helping you in some way? I mean, is it, who are allies? Who are who are sort of inspirations or models? Um, That's a good question. You know, and I, unfortunately, I'm not in the world as much as as you think I may be. I'm like, my bubble is small. You know, I was two small children and and a lovely wife and, and, uh, a nice homestead and a, and a big farm project. And so it's like, um, you know, but, but in the general, you know, the small scale farmer and the, and the food hubs are, are the, are the reference points for inspiration. Um, you know, I am also very interested in, in this farmer driven retail. So instead of, you know, transcending the farmer's market, the, you know, the one day a week run over to, all over town, it's like, can we create these farmer cooperatives that are brick and mortar where farmers come and are able to sell their goods? Um, so I don't know where those exist per se, but I'm, uh, you know, outside of one right next door to where I'm talking, but, um, you know, those are all reference points of, of health and positive direction. Cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, I guess that's um, a different um, a kind of, you know, refusal of like uh, uh, of worrying about, you know, politics and society in a way and focusing on the, the, the home and the community um, and those local food flows um, and making it work, making it sustainable for you. So that's that's um, makes sense. How can listeners support you? How could people get engaged? Um, I mean, you have a, a great website that has a lot of information for one, but is there anything else we should sort of know about that you want to shout out or you want to let, let us be aware of? Yeah, no, I mean, where it's an invitation to, to join us and that's, um, you know, check out, check out our site. You know, if you're in the region, come visit us and get inspired. I, I think the real invitation, it sounds like a lot of your, your listeners may be, um, you know, on the East Coast, it's, it's, you know, it's seeking, it's seeking purpose, you know, and, and 
and what's what's meaningful for them you know and um, so it's 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 really supporting those in your community the the producers that you can build a relationship with the you know the ingredients that will keep you healthy and whole um, you know the the projects that that inspire you I mean you guys you know it's it's kind of the rising tide lifts all boats you know we, we you know just kind of one small simple scale solutions but uh yeah I think I think just participating you know it's that no matter what what we do in this world we don't have to be farmers but it's learn it's 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 reminding that we can create a value a shared value system um that that transcends ultimately the the what we you know that the the what we do it's you know you could be a banker and you could be have ecological values that are about building equity um so in those values we like to summarize that in all of our pursuits we seek to care for the land we care for all people and we share the surpluses that we have and um and so i think that's really the the call to action is that whether if you're a student if you're a you know, you work at a coffee shop or whatever it is, like, how do, how do you take those values and bring them into your day? You know, and, and again, just start with one thing, you know, it's like, okay, um, I'm going to shop at the farmer's market on Wednesday, you know, I'm going to stop using disposable junk. I'm going to like, you know, not order that cheap food because it's, I'm going to go make something. I'm, you know, like just, you know, it sounds like some of your, your listeners may be college students, which is, it's building the culture, which is punk. You know, it's an invitation, like be radical, like go learn how to cook, make art, like sit with your friends, you know, go on a hike. Like it's, that's the essence of all of this stuff. And, um, and don't get sucked into the digital world. Don't think that there's a rat race that you need to, to follow, you know, like create your own path, you know, like that's, you know, that's, that's kind of my, would be my <laughs> offer to, to the people is uh, to do something radical and have fun. Oh, we love that. I mean, I feel like Melissa's always trying to get us to do a zine and we still haven't done a zine for this podcast, but we really need to. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do a zine. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. Ellie too. Ellie wants to do a zine too. Sounds like the zine is the project. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love this idea of participation (laughs) on whatever terms you have to participate. And I think a lot of people are intimidated to, I don't know, forage for acorns and make their own acorn meal or start their own farm. And it really is like at whatever access point is available to you, if that's helping to weed a garden, if that's, um, like you said, making artwork or making a zine or a poem about compost, like that's a way to engage. And I think, um, Yeah. yeah, so I love that invitation to kind of be radical in any way you can. And maybe being radical is just listening and using your senses to enjoy the world and your food uh, with intention, which I think is that also works. an invitation. <laughs> that works. Give thanks. Yeah, or, or the, uh, yeah, the, the observation, right? Observation could be radical, especially observation of a, yeah. ecology in urban areas. Right, and helping to Maybe. determine who and what gets to be seen and, you know, who is quiet, you know, and letting like really listening to other non-humans or humans <laughs> that don't always get the platform. Yeah, so cool. You guys are inspired. I like it. So um, I think, you know, with, with that, I, the one question I had left is, is what is your favorite food to grow? Like what's your favorite thing to grow yourself on your farm and eat, cook and eat? You want to share any, you know, recipes, anything sort of uh, hanging out in your room there that 
I'm looking around. Yeah, I have a few varieties. Uh, you know, some of my favorite things to grow are like these traditional beans. Um, and then corn. We grow a lot of traditional corn and beans. Um, the corn people on this part of the, the world. Um, and I'm looking around for other things. We have we're just pulling in the harvest. We're winnowing seed today. Um, and we grow about 10 different varieties of beans, traditional beans that are so good. That, you know, that's my one of my favorite meals is, is fresh shelling beans and grilled vegetables and simple tortillas. Um, and then we grow a lot of corn, like I said, that turn into tortillas. So it's, it's that to me feels like the, it's the closest you can get to the core. Um, and those are some of the things I like to grow. Um, yeah, we have a seed bank and especially in these cultural crops, we share seed and, um, and we grow a lot of seed. You know, we also grow a lot of, so in, in the outside of the corn and the beans, you know, we're a lot of the work here is about building a bioregional cuisine. And so that's, that's peppers and, you know, different, um, you know, different ingredients like that. We like, I like to say it's corn, beans, cactus, you know, greens, fruit, and fermentations is really like our bioregional cuisine. And so those are really the, the things that we focus a lot on, you know, like we, you know, so on one end of the spectrum, we're growing these traditional beans, but we're also then growing these very specialty, delicious diversity of lettuce crop, right? So it's like, it's kind of the market garden and this milpa, you know, it's two parts of our rotation. Um, you know, we grow a lot of flowers as well. We grow a lot of ingredients to turn into fermentations and value added products. And so those are, that's kind of like, um, you know, outside of like the fruit and the fruit trees, like, yeah, I'm, I'm obviously excited about all this stuff, but those, <laughs> I listed 10 ingredients. <laughs> no, that, that's great. You listed a whole meal, which I think is the best, you know, you're growing the whole meal, right? It's, it's not just yeah. the one product. So, yeah. Um, it's a yeah, bad question in a way, in that sense. That's um, yeah. So, uh, thanks so much, Evan. I, I think yeah. it was a very inspiring conversation. Um, a lot to think about and, uh, and definitely, you know, I feel like when I'm in the region, I really want to hit you up and visit. Um, so, you know, I just want to see it. It sounds amazing. I mean, it looks amazing, um, of course, but it's great to see the beans and to, to hear what you're up to. And thank you. Um, I'm guessing, did you like farm all day? Did you get up early and, you know, we're out there? Because uh, we just appreciate, again, you making time to, <laughs> to yeah. talk to yeah. us by Zoom. Days, I'll be honest, I, you know, my role is transitioned outside of just being on the farm. And so it's, you know, as the executive director, it's it's doing more than just farming. So... Um, while I walk the farm, um, I don't get the credit for growing all the food. We've got an amazing farm team and, uh, and I lead the, the creative and the, you know, and, and general, the, the vision on the farm side, but on the day to day, I have a few other, a few other tasks, but, got uh, it. yeah, no, honored Fair to be enough. with you today. Thank you so much. And, um, yeah, I invite you out to the village. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being on Fields. Uh, and everyone who's listening, uh, subscribe to Heritage Radio Network, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks to our brilliant guests. Fields theme music is by Sam Tyndall. Our amazing producing engineer at Heritage Radio is Liam Werner. Fields is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio and at Fields Podcast. 
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.